Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. There's a lot of work and time to get the V8 Supercar Circus around the country. Today we talk to two of the people that make sure everything and everyone gets to the track on time. Nearly everything else we carry two spares. The only thing we don't carry is a spare shell. Apart from that we can move build the car twice. We're, we're usually in very nice hotels and, and looking after the guys. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. It's the logistics of V8 supercars this week on the show, but up first, we have seen this year three first-time winners, but could Bathurst be dominated by the new guard? Scott McLaughlin certainly hopes so. We asked the young New Zealander how he was looking to take on the challenge. Oh, it's going to be good, you know. We qualifying at Bathurst for the first time as a main driver is going to be pretty cool. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. But the first enduro of Jack Perkins, I think he's driven great in the Dunlop series, and I think we're going to be a good pairing. So hopefully a bit of an underdog, and um, yeah, see what we can get out of it. In that respect where you're both young guys but he's got so much experience it must give you a lot of confidence to know that he's been there before he's had some ups and downs that he's going to be able to share with you oh definitely i remember watching jack's first bathurst you know and uh it's pretty cool to be pairing up with the perkins at bathurst and sandown um it's pretty cool but you know going in that he's got a lot of experience Um, i'm having dinner with larry soon uh so obviously we're gonna get a few pointers there and um you know it's i'm looking forward to it it's gonna be great after the break, we look at the logistics of V8 supercars for Nobrac carbon fibre products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the V8 Insiders, we meet two people from the V8 supercar paddock whose roles are integral in ensuring the team's weekend goes smoothly. Chris O'Toole from FPR and Mel Harvey from Red Bull Racing Australia. They're responsible for team logistics. 
everything from what is in the transporters to when and where the team members and drivers will be throughout the weekend. Mel Harvey has been in the series for almost nine years, starting with Dick Johnson racing and now moving to the biggest team in the sport, Triple Eight. I started the conversation by asking Mel how many movements she's responsible for each weekend. As in flights, well, normally depending on the race, if we have an early day where we can set up, we'll send a set-up crew, which is normally sort of five people plus someone to oversee them, and they'll meet up with a truck driver, and then the rest of the team will follow the next day to be here in time for whatever the official unload time is. So usually then it'll be a Wednesday crew, then a Thursday crew. Something like Bathurst, we actually will travel down on the Tuesday and we're there right through till Monday, so that's one of our longer events and we're there for six days, so it's quite full on. At a normal round, how many people are you flying from home base up there in Queensland to the race? 24 normally, yeah, which includes the drivers, so it's, it's a pretty decent amount of people to be moving. Just getting off the plane though, You've then got to get to the hotel. You've got to have a hotel. How do you how do you make decisions on what's the quality of accommodation, what's the quality of transport, and, and those other sort of things, which I guess people have a certain expectation of what they're going to get? Yeah, well, obviously, we try and put the boys in as comfortable rooms as we can possibly find. Obviously, we do still have to work to a budget, so my job is pretty much to make sure we get the best that we can for the money I'm allowed to spend. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're usually in very nice hotels and, and looking after the guys. And then it comes down to, you know, twin sharing and cutting costs where we can. And, yeah, I mean, then with the hire cars, obviously, the more people we can move in one, we try and keep our crews together. So we have a, a car crew for Triple Eight. We have one for Number One. So they stay together in the vans and they travel in and out. And then the drivers have to have their own car because they've obviously got a lot of external things they have to get to. I have a different car as well because I do different hours to the boys and then obviously management have another car. So, yeah, there's a lot of people going a lot of places. Um, With the hotels, it just comes down to, obviously, we want to be as close as we can to the track as well because the guys do really long hours and 1 o'clock in the morning they don't want to have to drive 45 minutes to a hotel to save 20 bucks. So, yeah, it's... Now, obviously, you've got a marketing department, a commercial department that have all got draws on different members of your teams that have got appearances they have to make. How do you then build your calendar? I know all you guys have a booklet, and it has minute, if not minute to minute, five-minute blocks. Okay, so with the scheduling, the way it works is obviously everything has to go around the actual on-track stuff. So we get the what's called the SUP regs, which come from V8 Supercar and Cams. That gives us all of our on-track timing. And then basically commercial or, or marketing will send all of the sponsor stuff to me with requests for what they might need, whether it's pit tours, appearances. The drivers might have stuff on as well for their own things or team-related. So then it's kind of my job that it all comes together and make it work working in all their briefings, actually trying to give the boys time to still go racing. And, of course, V8 Supercar have their own promotional schedule, which has autograph sessions and appearances and corporate visits. So, yeah, I mean, everything pretty much comes in, and I juggle a lot <laughs> to try and make it all fit. Is, it, uh, is the calendars that you're billing and your schedules you're building, do they ever transfer over? Or is every race so different, the timing so different, that... You're basically rebuilding a weekend each time you sit down. Yeah, you, you rebuild it pretty much 
each time. I mean, obviously there's standard things that are in there that always happen. You know, there's always quality, there's always... The on-track stuff doesn't change that much and the um, the things that the drivers are required to of the team, you know, like their briefings, their debriefs, their track walk, but everything else changes because there's different commitments at different races, different appearances, sometimes there's dinners, sometimes there's nothing on at night. You know, so, so basically, yeah, I mean, you can't exactly copy and paste that doesn't work (laughs) how far out do you have to finalize everything are you working now on say Winton or are you still working on Townsville I've got stuff in place right up till the end of the year and I've already got some things in place for next year based on you know just just contacting hotels and saying look we don't know when we're coming but when we are coming (laughs) we'd really like some rooms so yeah I mean at the moment obviously I'm working on Townsville and I'm still working on average about three rounds ahead. So, but I've, I've received, you know, we have requests in January for appearances at Homebush. So it's it's it builds and builds. But then the main work is done probably two three weeks out when we actually start getting regulations and things from V8 and promo schedules and start to finalise. And then you try and issue to the guys the week before you go, and then just update it because otherwise, you know, they kind of like to know where they're flying the next week crazy that way what about when you were away for three weeks from a race there are still red bull uh, commercial appearances there are still team test days how do you go around managing those other events which are a little bit more ad hoc um luckily for me i don't have to worry too much about those like anything to do with on track i do handle so you know the test days and things like that but when it's things that they might be doing like filming at the workshop that's what the commercial team look after so i don't really need to worry about that which is good <laughs> we have these uh we have these two races sandown and bathurst which are the jewels in the crown but they're longer and they have a lot more uh difficulties particularly with bathurst because you're not flying into a, a metropolitan center how much extra work are those races um compared to a normal round um they're a little bit more work. I mean, the good thing is uh, because it's year to year and it's it's very similar, you know, you're not worrying about getting hotel rooms and things because we stay in houses, so we've got some good people down there that are nice enough to let us stay at their houses. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, so, I mean, even though it's it's extra crew, it's, it's still a similar thing. You know, you've just got to make sure that you've got more people covered and obviously a lot more sponsors want to come to that. So there's a lot more commitments. And with the longer race, you know, it's, it's a four-day event and the guys have a lot of requests. So, yeah, it's just, it's just more juggling. It's not, really, it's not really harder as such. It's just it's, it's more. There's more. <laughs> Going to Austin this year, once again completely new landscape i don't know how familiar you are with austin before you went there but uh, uh, how was how was that and how's the challenge of doing the international events uh actually austin wasn't too bad because i was lucky enough i have been to austin before so i'd i'd have a little bit of an idea about the city but um no it was good i mean we had really good support obviously with show group who were doing a lot of the arranging for the the you know the flights there and back so it was more um to be honest, looking, looking after the guys, making sure everyone was there, everyone's passports are okay, that they've all got their ESTAs, and then once they're over there, I kind of ended up more of a, a 
a holiday maker, um, helping them out with all of their side trips that they wanted to do. So, yeah, I mean, again, though, it was it was interesting in that the track is obviously phenomenal. Um, we all absolutely loved it. You know, we can't wait to go back. But it's it was a whole different feel and getting the um, the logistics right for timing when you're not really sure. You know, we're not familiar with the traffic. It could take five minutes. It could take an extra 10 minutes or it could take you an hour in traffic you know you're just not too sure until you get there and I mean obviously the hotel was good and they were actually really good it was a great location so once we got there um, we didn't really have to drive anywhere other than to and from the track everyone could just walk so it was actually kind of refreshing because even though it was harder to get there to start with it was um, easier once we were there I guess I would imagine that with some things about the international races, the guys aren't as well known. That gives them a bit more freedom about what they can do when they have that personal time or even being able to go out and do things together as a team. Mm. Yeah, I mean, we we were lucky we got there a few days earlier, so a lot of people, you know, that was really to, to cope with the jet lag situation because obviously you don't want people turning up and then trying to work and they're falling asleep at two in the afternoon but it was really nice I mean it was nice to actually get to spend time together when we weren't knee deep in in a lot of work or the guys under the bonnet fixing things it was nice to have a little bit of downtime and actually enjoy a city and I mean it's such a great city there was a lot to do and a lot to see and just such friendly people you know you you went for a walk 15 minutes one way and you found some amazing things you turn and go the other way and you're sitting there in a, in a amazing like cowboy boot store and yeah so it, it was a lot of fun it was nice to have downtime together and get to enjoy each other's company as opposed to just working 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 will you change much for the way you do the international events going back to Pukekohe going back to Austin um not unless the the timings change you know we'd still I, I personally would try and spend more time in Austin just because I only got there two days before and I, I flew out the day after, but I would like to spend a little bit more time there and, you know, just, just spend more time in Texas. It's such a great state. So, yeah, and I'm sure the boys will all have different ideas. We'll, what we will change is our side trips. When it's on track, we don't really get to change a whole lot, but um, everything around it, you know, I think there's already some planning their next, next city to visit and we haven't got a calendar yet. After the break, we move from people to equipment here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Well, we spoke to Mel Harvey before the break about moving people around in V8 supercar land. Chris O'Toole, affectionately known as Tooley to the team, has the job of making sure every panel, nut, bolt, screw and, of course, car makes its way to the track. Chris talked about how much time it takes to get the season mapped out. Oh, it's it's not too difficult now because we've got a you know a few runs on the board. Uh, quite lucky we've got a, uh, one of the girls back at the workshop who um, 
uh, works with me on flights and all that sort of stuff, so making sure that all the team are arriving when they need to arrive and, and getting home and, and doing any special side trips they need to do, so that makes a big difference. She looks after all the hotels and everything like that, and um, that's uh, that's quite a, a quite a big job in itself. We're moving all the trucks around, like both trucks we've got probably... Um, both trucks weigh um, 60 tonne each, so there's a lot of gear here and a lot of logistics in spares back at the workshop, so when we get home, we're ready to go for the next event. Um, yeah, so we, we basically carry enough bits to rebuild the cars twice um, and things like we'll carry one spare engine per car, spare gearbox per car. Um, so some of the bigger components, we only carry one spare, but most, nearly everything else will carry two spares. So the only thing we don't carry is spare shell. Apart from that, we can rebuild the car twice. With all these components, you have to find a place for them. When the truck's getting designed, how much consultation do you have with the uh, fit-out? Quite a lot. Um, we're in the process of designing a new truck. We're getting a new one built. Um, and I designed the truck next door um, with, the, with the truck builders. So, yeah, I'd have a, yeah so the bottle of truck, we, um, we designed from scratch um, with, the, with the truck builder and um, I had a big involvement in that. There's a lot of things that I wanted to do that were different from this truck. This one's nearly 10 years old, and it's up for replacement. We're going to get another one built, and it's actually going to be built offshore in the UK. So that's a logistical issue in itself. How do you get a square peg into a round hole like this? You obviously have to get containers that are all certain size for specific parts, but then someone went and built a car of the future, which has a whole range of new components. Yeah, well, we're still working through some of those bits, so some of those bits aren't perfectly designed yet, the cases and what have you, but we try and make sure that every box or container or, 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 or um, flight case fits neatly together with another one so that it fills up every bit of space that we've got. So it, it'll need to be, you know, in some places six foot tall, and depends on where it is, it might go under this table, and, and, and we make sure that each an individual piece slots in. It can only go in the truck in one specific area. We also have... Um, designated crew that will strap down the truck. So we've got one guy for the um, for the back of the FPR truck, one guy for the back of the bottle truck, and then two guys in the front of each of the A trailers. And everybody else feeds them the gear, and they know exactly where each component goes, and their, their job is to strap it down and make sure it goes exactly where it comes from. Obviously, if something's bent or broken, it doesn't slide in, it doesn't fit in the same spot it's supposed to. How do you then go around and, and work on getting those bits back into the uh, truck? Well, naturally, it came out from somewhere, you know, came out from somewhere in the truck, and it should, by and large, go back roughly where it came from. If it's a mangled up bonnet, it won't necessarily bolt up back to the roof, but we'll just stand on it and make it flat again and, <laughs> and get it back up at the roof. We take home everything that we bring, um, and um, in some cases, like when you're overseas races, that's that's the law. You can't take anything into a country without taking back out again. That's, that's what we sign our customer documents for. Um, so we make sure, but there are little bits of space here and there for little extras that do happen to turn up. You know, it's not uncommon to turn up to a race meeting and someone tells me ahead of time, "Oh, by the way, I've got a uh, a spare engine that needs to go back, or we need to pick up something from another race team, or one of the guys has bought a motorbike in Northern Territory, so we're going to take it home." And so we tend to tend to have little um, things that crop up from time to time, and we make sure we plan for it. Coming into this year, then, how many hours were you spent labouring over? This is the new transaxle. It's got to go here. Oh, look, there wasn't a great deal because um, we knew where it had to go in the truck and we've only got one sort of sub-assembly locker and that's where it was going to go. Um, the trade-off was that we lost a big diff housing that was um, a metre and a half wide and a transaxle that, or a gearbox that was sort of, you know, 
two foot long. So that got combined into one. So that was probably a bad example in that we gained space out of that one. So quite happy about that. It's not often you gain space, but... Um, and the front suspension and what have you, um, or the rear suspension in particular, took up a lot more space. And typically we carry the first set of spares for each car in the guys' toolboxes, but the rear suspension physically doesn't fit in their toolboxes. They're just not big enough. So we had to make some more cabinets in the front of this trailer, in the front of the A-trailer of the FPR truck, to carry the extra rear suspension component. When you go overseas, you fly around, you have a certain amount of containers, you then have the, the rigs that the cars get put into, to how much work goes into determining what you're going to need and what you're going to carry as spares because you can't carry everything that you have in an A and a B trailer. No, we can't carry everything. and then, So then it's a, a gamble and it's sort of measured knowledge. You sort of know, you get a rough idea on how cars crash and what cars damage components. And sometimes we buddy up with other teams as well. You know, um, For example, I'll carry a MIG welder and, and TIG welder and one of the other teams will carry what we call a hose crimper. So we buddy up with uh, little operations like that. Some people will carry an engine crane and someone else will carry a gearbox um, sling. So um, we work together on those little smaller items, but it's a, a case of making sure... We're sort of in a unique position because we've got four cars, so you can tend to... You're, not gonna, you're probably not going to damage all four gearboxes in one weekend, and you're probably not going to damage all sets of four sets of rear suspension in one weekend. So you can take little bits out and maybe take three of that and three of this instead of four of or, or six of sometimes when we come here. So we've got a limited amount of space. There's only three and a half tonne per car of spares that we can put in our container. And then we've got um, some limited space in what we call the Tiger Freight. Um, so the fuel towers and some front bumpers and the engine and gearbox and what have you can go in another container. But when we open the doors of the container, they are full and there is not a square inch. In fact, I had to go Pete the other day about, or before we went away to the next place, can you take out a couple of um, packs of posters? It comes down to that because it's all about weight. So, you know, do you really need seven packs of posters? Can we go to five and things like that? So it all comes down and it's, it's all weight. And every kilo you're over in the plane, some other race team has had to come down a kilo. So we, try and we, we work very hard to stick to the exact amount of weight we can take. I know Kevin Dunlop... He also chips in because he's got all this space in the centre of his tyres that he puts your wet gear in and a lot of the stuff that you can't air freight. Correct, yeah. So um, all our flammable goods that you can't put in a plane um, will go sea freight and we put them in, we've got tubs made that fit inside the diameter of a tyre So and, and then we stack up those tubs and they're all labelled. I've got two sets of them, so one set to go off to um, um, New Zealand and one's a separate set for America or Abu Dhabi or wherever we're going and... Um, we stack them at the start of the year and, and give them to Kevin, and he worries about that. And then they're there. All the goods are all there when we get there. Um, even things like hand cleaners and oils and all that sort of stuff, we put those in those things, and that that cheats a little bit of a, a weight out of our container. So, so we get extra bit, bit of space to put something else in. What would happen, and what would it be like if V8s were able to achieve that nirvana of racing every second week? It'd be. If V8s could achieve it, it'd, it'd mean the teams would need to achieve it from a financial point of view. And in that perspective, you'd need a lot more spare cars and you'd need a lot more staff because it's unlikely that we could all travel every second weekend and, and stay married or <laughs> employed or and not burn out in, in a great hurry. So um, it'd be it'd just be a double of everything and you'll send one group of gear on a hopscotch type of, uh, type of arrangement. So... Um, if, the, if the calendars work out right, that's how you'd do it. And for me, that would probably make my job easier. 
ultimately because it's just two of everything and you can split up split things and split your truck drivers and split every uh, all your crew and all that sort of stuff so I worry about all, all the all the pit stop um, guys and look after all the staff in there so you can manage fatigue a bit when we're right on this borderline of going every three weeks or three and a bit weeks um, you can't afford to have too many spare cars or can't afford to have too many spare engines and gearboxes and all that sort of stuff or spare staff you know we don't leave a lot at home and even anybody that is working at home is flat out building bits for us when we get home so i actually think it'd be a bit easier to be honest with you financially it wouldn't be easier but logistically i think i could probably do my job a little bit better for the person that hasn't been around the racetrack after you finish like say simmons plains this year and you were going for the next week in new zealand can you run through the customs as well as the loading difficulties that makes and of course you're in tasmania so you're not at the workshop where you can just grab that bit which you forgot yeah you're right there's there's no forgetting anything and um so at tasmania we started we serviced the cars down there at tasmania did a certain amount of service work we took enough spares to put bits into race prep for pukakoa yeah new zealand took enough spares to go um to build the cars down in tasmania so the trucks were bursting at the seams but from tasmania we brought back because um dunlop weren't able to do it we had to bring back every tire that came went over there so we had to have space for those to come back uh, so we did most of the race prep there and s- did what we call a semi-pack. So we didn't pack it into the containers, but we had it in the truck in a way that was going to slide out and go straight into the straight into the shipping container. I do all my um, shipping documents for the carnets and what have you and import weeks ahead of time and then just do small adjustments, you know, if, if, if we've run out of bits or we've got to add something because we've come up with a problem or designed, uh, invented something new. So, and, and we work uh, very closely with Gibson Freight on that, and they're a very good logistic company to work with, so they make life quite easy in that respect. So straight off the boat from Tasmania down to um, Avalon Airport, and we finished race car preparation down there, re- finished off all the bodywork, had a lot, whole lot of bodywork back at the workshop and at our sign riders and spray painters um, that was ready to go. That married up down at Avalon with a couple of the um, vans from the workshop, met the trucks down there. The guys finished off prepping at Avalon, um, and then and then we loaded the containers from the trucks at Avalon in the in the um, hangar. That was that was a long couple of days, believe me. And and you're right, there is no forgetting anything. You know, we're not allowed to take things by hand freight um, in your in your carry on luggage or anything like that. That's that's against the rules, and it's a good rule in some respects. I mean, if you've had a very bad weekend and damaged half your dampers and you physically can't rebuild them in time you know there's there's ways and means around um asking the category to um give you dispensation to get them over there but um that the rule exists so that people aren't um shipping too much weight over there and unfairly disadvantaging another team that might have a less budget so over to new zealand then we finished the final prep of the cars which was the setup which we did over there in um Pukekohe, uh, which is not not that big a day out to be honest with you um, and uh, yeah, unpack the containers. We don't actually take that much out of the containers when we're there. Most of the spares stay in. We just do the garage prep and the toolboxes and things like that. And it's actually quite easy to work with. Our, our containers are built with all shelving and racks and great and tubs that are in each slot. And they're labelled on the front, and it's quite everybody knows where they are. It's it's it is quite easy. I will have a master document that'll tell us what's in the what's what we've got and what we haven't got. And um, and then and then there's there's, there's small things. Someone. Some race team might need bolts or a thread tap or something. Everybody helps each other out. So if you have forgotten something like that, there'll be someone in pit lane who'll help you out. Per car, how many of the Gibson containers do you get? One. One per car. 
You know, this year we sp- we took one less set of doors because two two of our cars are um, identical livery, so I didn't have to take two sets of doors. Um, was that a reason for the change? No, but <laughs> it's something that FPR's wanted, or certainly myself at FPR has wanted as long as I've been there. You know, we've never had until this year like livery, and it's, it's like a, a godsend. Well, look at that. There's four bonnets, and they all look the same. So you know, you know, you can, that means. When you've got a like liveried car, you can take less bodywork because it's unlikely you're going to crash all eight doors. It's pretty unlikely. The cars for customs, and you're responsible for the customs side too, they have to be, particularly for New Zealand, completely clean. Yeah, absolutely. You have one off-track excursion, and I know those gurneys, the guys on the gurneys were there for like an hour yeah. just trying to make sure the car was completely clean. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we were quite lucky that it wasn't a wet weekend, you know, and that obviously brings up a lot of mud. And, right, but the customs are very, very um, specific. No grass seeds, no nothing. And, and it's, it doesn't take that much to get a race car dirty out on a racetrack, believe me. Um, and we, our freight actually went via back via Queensland because there wasn't enough room on the plane. This was a pre, pre-planned event. So our freight went via Queensland, and the Queensland customs people aren't anywhere near as efficient as the Victorian customs people. Um, so it's a long, drawn-out process. So we had to get our gear land back in Brisbane. So myself and the two truck drivers flew from Auckland up to Brisbane, waited overnight for the freight to turn up. Then we reloaded our truck up in uh, Brisbane and, and brought it back down to Melbourne. So, you know, it was a big... From Tasmania to Auckland, Auckland to Brisbane, Brisbane back to uh, Melbourne... It's a, it's a big loop before you uh, get all your gear back in the workshop, that's for sure. You mentioned about your master checklist. Do you have checklists in every part of the truck for when you're packing and everything gets ticked off or you leave the workshop? More or less. Um, we break it down to a lot smaller items. Like, you know, if the toolbox is full, if one of the car's toolbox is full, I know it's got two sets of suspension in it. So so that's so we don't necessarily need a checklist for that. Each each number one mechanic will take care of make sure that his spares for his suspension are in that toolbox so um and the master uh, the, all the bodywork yes we have a checklist off for it because that goes into the truck and um all the um, driver's uniforms and uh, and race gear there's, there's a checklist for that and and, and and most of the other sub assembly spares and things like that they're all checklisted yes that's all we have time for this week on the v8 insiders as the checker flag waves over another edition till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.